0: The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild course language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deak speaking. (laughs) Welcome to FOP. I'm Will Anderson. Joining me, guest Charlie. You know what? I used to say that guest. I used to say Dave Anthony guest Charlie number one. But let's be honest. Yeah. You are my guest Charlie number one. There is no doubt about that. You are the current guest Charlie number one. You are the Novak Djokovic in that you refuse to get vaccinated to do this podcast.
1: I did refuse to get. That is true. And I, for everyone listening, the amount of pressure I've been under to get vaccinated. I don't want to use the word segregated because it would be incorrect, but I have been under a lot
0: of pressure. You know what I uh, love about Novak is... (laughs) Really? Yeah, I'm really curious about this. That he's saying no to the Vax and his name is Novak. Oh, yeah, right. To me, that is... There's a bit of me that puts my name in the titles of my stand-up shows that just admires how easy he's made it for sporting sub-editors around the world. Like, that is... A Christmas gift wrapped up for them. Like, so many Novak's headlines. Yeah. uh,
1: The the, uh, the Russian tennis player refused to get the jab. Medvedev is furious
0: because it just doesn't quite ring as well. Change your name to AstraZeneca or something, (laughs) mate, if you're really committed to it. But, like, old Novak's. Novak's. Like, I mean... What, actually, we weren't going to start there, but Justin Hamilton's here, by the way, in case you haven't read your podcast or whatever, yeah. or you haven't realized that Justin's the only person that I could be bothered talking to at the
1: moment. <laughs> he doesn't hate it. Uh, a
0: direct quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you follow the tennis. I do. I, I always am interested in your take on tennis matters mm. because you follow it a lot more closely than I do, but... Okay, so obviously over the years, there's been a lot of debate around who is the greatest modern-day tennis player. And, like, you know, there's the arguments for Rafa, but then the argument against is he wins so much, like, you know, in France. Yeah. But at the same time, after a while, he's just won enough everywhere else that you're like, okay, well, that's pretty great. There's Roger, who's just Roger. Everybody loves Roger because of the way that Roger plays, and there's just something quite you know, old-fashioned and wonderful and charming about Roger, and so people love Roger. Um, And then there's fucking Novak. Yeah. Who's just come almost out of nowhere. Like, while we're concentrating on this battle between the big two, like, this third challenger has emerged and just continued to win relentlessly to the point where he's about to overtake two people that we were talking about as being two of the greatest tennis players of all time. Right? Like, what's your... Take on it all, like where, where what do you, when you look at men's tennis at the moment? What do you see?
1: Oh, I can't believe you're asking me this, and I can't believe how long I've wanted someone to actually ask me this question. So much so, it has derailed me from asking you what's going on with what you're wearing. But we will get back to that later because you're showing a bit of skin and I did not want to waste the question without the
0: microphones rolling. Uh, I mean, just we can deal with it now. I don't have any sleeves on the top. What's happening? (laughs) I'd been doing some gardening and I was cleaning the pool. Because with the
1: microphone where it is, it looks like maybe you've been serving drinks at a manpower evening
0: i mean if only i had the physique if i excuse
1: me waiter if i <laughs> i need another like, i need it, another uh,
0: cock and ball straw for my cocktail it is a compliment to the level of comfort i feel with you justin <laughs> that like i, like, I am it. willing to sit here with you watching this like i, I wouldn't even put amy through uh, this so it is a compliment
1: ah uh, far out okay so tennis so the I I think tennis is in a little bit of trouble, to be honest. I think uh, there is something weird that has happened over the last couple of decades where what's meant to happen is you have great players, then young people come along and they learn from the masters and they conquer the masters and then they become the best. And I think tennis was at its healthiest when, like, Ivan Lendl, Dominated For a long time And he won yeah. something like Eight Grand Slams And he could still lose To McEnroe And he could still lose To Mats Villander And you know Like it was This give and take You know uh, Even Even Pete Sampras uh, You know He won 14 and that was a lot. That was an extraordinary amount of grand slams. But, you know, he still had some troubles against certain players and he had trouble on, uh, you know, at the French Open. He never won that. Uh, Great story as well because you had Agassi, who was the person that we thought was going to be the all-time great and then Sampras came along and they were diametrically opposed as players. Uh, which made it fun. It also they were diametrically opposed as personalities, so it was it's riveting. And the problem is when when Federer first came along, he had to slay a lot of dragons along the way. He had to beat Agassiz, He had to beat the people who were just ahead of him. He had to beat Sampras. And then once he got to that position of being number one in the world, he was still going up against you know some players who were good, like Leighton Hewitt, we forget, was you know a two-time champion. He was a good player. Uh, uh, Federer had to learn how to beat Hewitt to realise how good he could be. Uh, same with uh, Andy Roddick, was an excellent tennis player, and Federer would have his battles, and he would often come out on top, and that was great. And then Rafa came out of nowhere, and he just had a style of tennis that was the worst style for Federer to go up against, especially on the clay surfaces. And so it was riveting watching them play, you know, this muscular uh, Spanish bullfighter of a player in Rafa, And then you've got Federer, who, if you wanted to explain how poetry makes you feel to a child, you would watch them, get them to watch Roger Federer play a game of tennis on grass. And and they also, you know, they liked each other, and they were up against each other. And then Djokovic came along. I'm not a Djokovic fan. He is a very good tennis player, but somehow their dominance has ruined tennis because not enough of these young kids kind of pushed back and and slew the dragon. Like they they just kind of failed to take that next step, and now those guys are getting older. I, I think Federer is probably done. Rafa's getting really close. Even even Novak's is uh, you know on the downward side. And what it means is I just haven't really seen any personalities come along. I don't even know who to glom onto to say, oh, this is the new guy that I would like to follow because who are they? I don't know who they are. And then also tennis in general kind of made all the courts you know, they slowed down the courts at Wimbledon, <laughs> you know, they just kind of took away what was fun about tennis was that the surfaces were so different. It, it, it made players have to, you know, change the way they played the game. And so I'm I'm kind of really disappointed with where tennis is at the moment and I'm nowhere near okay, on top so of it as
0: I used to be. Men's tennis, I would argue, like, absolutely. Yeah. And I will come back to that. But women's tennis... And maybe it's like Ash Barty's obviously been doing very well yeah. and I'm more likely to be interested in following like an Australian story and I love Ash Barty. Yeah. Like legendary story, you know, little country town, yeah. quit the game, like literally quit the game because yeah. she was over it and went and played BBL cricket yeah. and then came back and like, you know, you know, became world number one and like not – You know, like, in an era coming off the back of, like, you know, Serena Williams, who's just been such a dominant champion, but also just such a powerful athlete. Like, Ash Barty doesn't look like Serena Williams. So the fact that she's been able to have sustained success, but then at the same time there's been a whole bunch of other, you know, women's, uh, like, champions of the tournaments. Like, Ash Barty hasn't then gone on and dominated every tournament. Like, that's still a real chance anyone can win anything. It feels very vibrant like there is a lot of really good female players and a lot of them are a chance of like maybe in the first round like still first couple of rounds maybe it's still yeah a couple of easy kills in the women's draw but after that well even like no but there's been a couple of qualifiers like teenage qualifiers and stuff who've just just won the US Open they feel like it's got a good mix yes you've got this sort of Serena's still there like, aging champ, still capable of it, though. Like, every tournament that she's actually fit enough to play in, you start to think, oh, you know yeah. what? She could probably still win this. Like,
1: she can and then, tantalizingly get to the semis now, you know?
0: And yeah, she'll certainly destroy a few other people's dreams and hopes and aspirations yeah. all the way. That's the very least you can guarantee. Yeah. And then you've got, like, yeah, these kids emerging all over the place, like a whole, it seems like a really solid group yeah. of... You know, really fantastic female tennis players. So it seems almost like the opposite of that in in female tennis. Yeah,
1: and it's it's not only vibrant, but I also feel like that the the women's tennis circuit is maybe better equipped for the current uh, way the world enjoys entertainment, which is they only play three-set matches. Like in the past, men played best of five in the Grand Slams and it was a test of endurance. And I always used to think, well, you know what? I once watched uh, Steffi Graf and Gabriella Sabatini play a five-set match at the Masters final and it was thrilling. It was so thrilling. But in this current climate, you know what's heaps? Three sets. And I feel like the women's tennis has more marketable players, more interesting players, more charismatic players, and it's one and done so much quicker.
0: You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see the men play three setters until the finals and then every final it goes up a set.
1: Right. So quarters is...
0: Yeah, four sets. Four sets. What happens if you end up? Yeah. Semis is five sets. And this is what I'm saying. Like once you actually get to the the final open sets until like until you're done oh, so
1: the uh, like the way they used to play it in the old days so it could be first yeah. set 24 games to 22 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I'm totally up for that yeah, yeah. really make it I mean because to- as it
0: gets more interesting you want to see more of yeah. it right but in the early rounds let's just get rid of some people let's get them out of D- here
1: you know two hundred number 207 in the world playing number 389 I know it's important to you guys I know it's important to your parents and your family and your support crew
0: Three sets. (laughs) If Novak had won the Grand Slam or the Golden Grand Slam, like, you know, won at the Olympics, like the argument was going to be extremely compelling. It was going to be hard to, regardless of the level of antipathy I have towards Novak Djokovic for a range of reasons. Like there was still going to be very hard to make an argument that he was not the greatest modern day men's tennis player if he'd done that. The fact that he kind of choked a little at both of those and now he might not play for a while because he refuses to get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> like, those things might conspire against him. But this might be the one bonus of COVID. Like? That Novak doesn't overtake Roger or Rafa.
1: You know, like, sometimes you've got to find the optimism in in the in the sadness of what's occurring, and that is definitely happiness. I, I've never been a Novak fan. I think there is a... And I know there's some real Novak supporters out there, so uh, I'm... Sorry if this offends you, but I think his sense of humour is a typical... Uh, I think it's a typical male alpha athlete kind of sense of humour, which is my sense of humour is my sense of humour, and if you don't laugh at it, then you're wrong, and I don't find anyone else funny. I think he lacks grace when he loses, and uh, but, you know, he's a phenomenal player, uh, but... I think
0: that what makes him a good tennis player is in part, what makes him a terrible human yes. being. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. T- tennis is an incredibly selfish sport. Yes. Right? It is very much about you and your entire life is around you and there's a whole bunch of people that are employed to make sure that, you know, everything is right for you. And I think if you're very good at it, like he has, you know, eating plans and, you know, ways of looking at the world that like have garnered him great success so i can imagine why in his head he says well i think i do know better because guess what i did it my way and i beat everybody so guess what maybe i fucking do know better and maybe you're all idiots but he seems very selfish very irresponsible as a person like in regard to just doing whatever pleases novak as opposed to does he have a broader responsibility to tennis or to society in general as a leader of society i don't Maybe that's too much to even ask for a tennis player, but I, I don't. I, I have not warmed to him, but it was going to be very hard to deny his place in history if he had fucking done that golden grand slam.
1: Right? You know, I'm not a Michael Jordan fan, but I can acknowledge that he's you know probably the greatest player to ever play basketball. But you know, I'll always be a Magic Johnson guy. I'll always be a Steph Curry guy. Uh, you know, the same with tennis. You just kind of have to. Um, the the thing. So. My mum hates (laughs) Novak Djokovic And the the only way I've been able to placate her Through all of this Is that even if he wins 30 grand slams It's going to eat away at him That everyone still loves
0: Roger and Rafa more It's true It
1: doesn't matter Like it doesn't matter how many wins It doesn't matter how many wins It doesn't matter In
0: fact he... All he should be thinking about now is his legacy. Yeah. Because we're incredibly forgiving given the right redemption story. So if he hard pivoted now to, like, I am just on the charm offensive. Like, I saw Rafa playing tennis, playing a point with the 97-year-old man, and I was like, see, this is what Novak needs to be doing. Yeah. Like, not unvaccinated, though, because you'll kill that fucker. Like, he's 97. otherwise... Like, I loved that footage so much, particularly because Rafa kept the ball in a few times when it was going to go out of bounds so the point could keep going. And it was just super charming. And the guy, 97 years old, like being able to hit him back over the net much better than I would be able to ever in my entire life. It was actually impressive. Yeah, totally impressive, yeah. particularly because he couldn't really move his arm Yeah, much. I know. He had like quite an unusual swing yeah. that really was kind of more him putting the racket in the right place than swiveling at the hips. It was all in the wrist. It worked. It's probably all that yeah. works. <laughs> well, that's what it felt yeah. like, but that was lovely. But it so was. Novak needs to start doing that stuff. Yes. It, he's, young, he's young enough that he, if he went on the complete charm offensive, if he could turn it around. I don't. If he cared. I
1: too. don't think he can i think i think charm is a word that is not necessarily in his vocabulary i think it comes naturally what if he a Cyrano de Berger actor
0: right so he so he got he's got so much money he could hire anyone to be his personality
1: who do you reckon it should be i reckon it's harry styles
0: (laughs) he gets harry styles to write him i mean people like harry styles yeah i like harry styles Here's what I would say, though. I reckon you need someone who's made – I mean, Harry Styles is funny. Yeah. But what I'm thinking is tennis matches are perfect opportunities. Like, I've said this, like, a million times. Like, one of the principles of comedy that I hold dear to my heart is the easiest laughs you'll ever get is at your own wedding or if you are playing fucking tennis. Right. Like, the shit that tennis crowds laugh at that athletes do when they just, like – you know, say something cheeky to the ball boy or they like run into the crowd and get a glass of champagne. Like That's like, talk about champagne comedy. That is the peak of comedy to these people. You know,
1: know, Henri Lacan using his tennis racket to help him find where the ball landed as if he was blind? Gold, mate.
0: One of the greatest moments in in, in tennis comedy yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the hall of fame of tennis comedy. Yeah, he's the George Carlin of tennis. That from just that mate, one moment. The amount of pleasure they will get from getting some celebrities with some oversized rackets to play a couple of sets of tennis. Yeah. Like tennis fans are an easy comedy crowd. So this is how you the, get But, them, but also,
1: the, the, the tennis fans. This shows you how good tennis fans are. It's the only sport in the world where technology to show you some part of minutiae in the rules. In this case, the ball being in or out succeeds because the crowd, when they see the video of the ball, all go, oh, and either lands in or out and they clap and they laugh. It's an easy to understand game. (laughs) It's really easy, (laughs)
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a really quite a simple game yeah some might suggest too simple perhaps me that's why i don't enjoy it that much but that's okay no but but
1: but it's it's simplistic in its understanding but in it's all about geometry
0: very few rules much like the world game the beautiful game football um very few rules right yeah Easy to play, easy to understand. Yeah. As opposed to the game that is dearest to my heart, which is AFL football, which has a million rules and no one really understands any of them. And half of them have to do with what the person was thinking at the time they did it. Yeah. It is. Like like watching Lost, trying to understand how Australian rules is officiated and what the rules actually are. The irony that's called Australian rules when there are just, I mean, there are so many rules, so many confusing rules, and often they're different every week or every year.
1: What what do you watch? I watch the uh, AIF. What's that? Oh, that's the Australian Interpretive Football.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay, so... Tennis wasn't actually why I brought you here today, but it was good to have a chat about tennis. Yeah. Um, here's what I'm going to talk about. So okay. I am sold on an idea of mine more than I've been sold on any other idea that I've had in a very long time. So Sleeveless shirts. Okay. I was gardening and uh, <laughs> then I came in. So um, the, the correct way to watch Ted Lasso. Season one into season two. Oh, yeah. And then onwards. Yeah. And some people might have switched off when we talked about Ted Lasso. So before you switch off, because I'm going to talk about Ted Lasso again, but don't take this with you, because we came up with this into the conversation. So people who haven't watched it yet might not have heard this. So I'm going to state it out loud. This is my method, and I stand by it, that the correct order to watch Ted Lasso is that you watch the entire first season and then you watch the Christmas bonus episode in between season one and season two. Yep. And then you start season two. Yep. And you play the Beards night out as like a bonus after the season finale. Yeah. Right. Yep. That is the absolute correct order that you need to be watching this show in to enjoy it fully. Right. I stand by that. That's that is it. So, we talked a lot about Nate. Now, now you can switch off. You can we're gonna because we're gonna actually talk about something we talked about last time, which was Nate. Right. And where Nate ended up at the end of uh, the series and you and I had a conversation around whether it was earned or not. And I've been reflecting on it quite a lot because we got a bit of feedback online too from people kind of, you know, putting positions forth all over the place about this and I enjoyed that. I was uh, really interested in what people had to say and particularly because things that they had seen Were things that I said that I was looking for Mm -hmm. But hadn't seen And that sparked something interesting in my head Justin Hamilton Mm. Which was Why didn't I see those things? Like were those things actually there? And like when I started to read What people were suggesting was there I was like yeah I guess that was there And I guess that I didn't really notice that And I think that was the point by the way That's what I've come to is that I think that's what they were doing, Mm -hmm. was like telling the story but almost distracting you constantly so that you did not see that that story was being told. And So I found an interesting article um, on Vulture which I think addresses – I just thought we could have a talk about it and see what you think of some of the things that they say.
1: That's uh, interesting. I I wonder – Just getting back to you you potentially not seeing things or, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Visuals are not something that you really give a shit about. Like, you, you know, you've listened to every episode of Law and Order. For anyone who for some reason doesn't know, it's not a radio play. It's a TV show. Um, works as
0: well, no, I would argue, probably yeah. better as a radio player. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get the podcast rolling. You, uh, but the- My argument was always that by listening to it, yeah. the story was actually less predictable because you couldn't see who the big-name guest star was. Like You right. can sometimes work it out from the voice or whatever, but yeah. like when you watch the show, it's reasonably formulaic in who did it or what the kind of yeah. story is going to revolve around, particularly... Because a lot of it is based on the news. And if you've watched the news, you get the gist of whatever it is they're doing that week. But when you listen to it, it has more of a mystery. Yeah.
1: Well, also, so taking that into account with your hilarious revelation that you made to me on Friday that goes along with you you don't like space movies, visuals. You don't like underwater movies, visuals. You weirdly like organized crime stories, a lot of talking. Don't really like mafia movies. Guess what mafia movies excel at? Visuals. It was
0: weird to discover that <laughs> aspect of my personality. I know. Yeah.
1: Especially bringing <laughs> up all of these, you know, classic movies. Godfather. Yeah, I know it's good, but
0: nah. Goodfellas. Yeah, nah. <laughs> like every classic. Because again, I've seen all those films, I and I understand that they're all good films. Yeah. But would I rewatch any of them? No, I don't think that I would. Yeah. Donnie Brasco was as close as we could get to a movie that that's more an undercover movie, I reckon, than a mafia yeah, movie. But you, like, it's you mafia justified chaser.
1: it, yeah. <laughs> you got out of it. <laughs> All right. So, so I wonder if um, before we hear the article, mm. I wonder if you know visuals are just not something that you particularly engage with, and so you know, therefore, it's easier to miss things.
0: Uh, this is an article from Vulture, uh, written by Jen Cheney. So um, I won't read all of it, obviously, but uh, the very end of the Ted Lasso season two finale reveals that Nate Shelley, the shy former kit man turned assistant coach, has fully moved to the dark side of the Premier League. In the last scene, Nate stands on the field overseeing the players of West Ham United, a team now owned by Rupert Mannion, former owner of AFC Richmond, as well as ex-husband and nemesis of Rebecca. At first, only the back of Nate's head, now covered in completely shock white hair, is visible as Rupert whispers something into his ear. Then Nate turns and walks towards the camera until his face completely occupies the frame. Finally, in what has always been Ted Lasso's show, Nate, the assertive mirror-spitting boss man version of Nate, has commanded the focus. It's a jarring moment that provides payoff to the finesse in which his character has been drawn it also uh further complicates the niceness that is allegedly Ted Lasso's raison d'être and provides sly commentary on the complaints some people have voiced about the show okay before i go on thoughts <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it's uh it's fascinating the um i'm curious about the complaints about uh, and the commentary on Ted Lasso by being nice, uh, you know, somehow that's bad. I don't quite sign up for that. Uh, I think. Uh, I think also using the word nice is. I think it's dismissive, and I think it's too broad. And what I think he's trying to do is trying to be positive. I think he's trying to always he's it's not like he's not dark, he just chooses not to go down that path and then when he kind of got, you know, had his own shit going on and then he was uh, strong enough to be honest with the other guys and, and, you know, it takes a level of bravery to talk about what's actually wrong with you and then, you know, that was a moment that the majority of the characters did see as a sign of strength but uh, in Nate's own world where he is so... Henpecked by his father and his upbringing, uh, you know, in the end, he mistakes it as a sign of weakness and, um, you know, also mistakes it as a sign of, uh, you know, selfishness on Ted's behalf when it is actually the ultimate uh, selfish act on his to act the way that he does.
0: I think some of the criticism of the show is based on people who don't understand the show. Right. Like on I honestly do believe that. like a lot of the time where they're like, "Oh, it's just a show about being nice," and you're like, "No, it's not.
1: like it's not like that at all. like that's that, that's the that's the dismissive thing that you can say when you haven't really paid attention, which people love to do as you put your
0: earbuds back in. But- uh, poor, poor old Justin. I was like, I, I, I suddenly got cold because I'm wearing a sleeveless top and I needed to get my hoodie, which was over the other side of the table. And I was like, I wonder if I can coordinate this and just get it without interrupting the podcast, which, of course, I guess in retrospect was never going to be the case. But and I kept talking. I
1: just kept talking. I thought I can get us through this. And then I realised you're... Uh, Earphones went in
0: and it was like, well my earphones got caught. Well, I couldn't coordinate because they're plugged in. Yeah. So I couldn't coordinate putting on a hoodie yeah. and getting them where I needed to get them. So yes, it, it fell apart. I was we were doing quite well until that point. But <laughs> I thought I saw all these people going, it's all about niceness, yeah. and then get real mad when then the second season wasn't about niceness. And you're like well, But it The first season wasn't you're, about you're, niceness. This guy had split up from his family. Yeah. Like he's over the other side of the world in this brand new job that he's incredibly out of his depths doing. And he is by nature, you know, sunny of disposition and outwardly charming and, you know, dressed up and all these sort of things. But it turns out, as we will find out later, like a lot of those things are, you know, protections that have been installed, you know, to protect from various different hurts in his life. Yeah. Right. But he's also leaning in to try to charm everybody and win everybody over and like be this – the the idea that they then go, but that's absolutely not a natural state of being. Like, and of course, that's all going to fall apart because nobody is like that. Then there's all these people who are like in the first series were like, nobody's really like this. I don't like, really like that, and they're like, yeah, that's what they're saying too. Yeah, like they are absolutely saying that. Yeah, if you're reading this show, is it just being some sort of hey, everybody, we should get along? Like, there's elements of that for sure but that's not the whole story they've been telling at any stage i don't yeah, think
1: yeah i i also don't think he's trying to deliberately charm people i think or win people over i think he's i think he's literally made a choice from pain to not let it infect anybody else to the best of his ability and he and he fails at that like with the panic attacks and things but i, I think he just chooses to try and being uh, you know, a positivity to all of his interactions. So I, I don't think he's trying to win people over. I just think he's well, trying to do the right thing. I
0: mean, yeah, but I think I, I mean, I guess there the can be a pejorative attached to the expression "win people over." Right, that implies that it is somehow, you know, manipulated or it is conceited in some way. That it's not real, right? Right. I don't mean I don't mean that. Right. But I mean just by the nature of somebody taking a job and an opportunity and his disposition. Yeah. Like if I am enthusiastic about some project, if I've been flown to some comedy festival where they're going to you know, get me to do a whole bunch of gigs and whatever and I'm nervous about being out of my desk but at the same time I've got this amazing opportunity, I'm really excited about it. Like when I get there, I'm leaning in. Yeah. I'm being nice to everyone. I'm joking with the bus driver. I'm like, you know, excited with the person who's telling me where my gigs are and I'm like asking questions and trying to be like trying to win everyone over it. That's not me going this will be good for my – it's just – by the nature of the decision you've made so what i'm saying is that personality that man ted lasso has no other position than okay here i am you know let's get into this we're all going to be friends and work together like so this is so he starts that day one yeah
1: this is how i feel about people who work in hospitality i always try to be at my very best with waiters and bar people and I, because I know that that job is hard work people are working long hours and more often than not someone's a bit of a shit fuck so you know what I'm not going to be I'm not going to be that person I'm going to look at them I'm going to let them read out everything that they need to do I'm going to ask them how they are you know they deserve to have some you know, at least when they know they come over to my table, it's relaxed and there's not going to be any trouble.
0: It's everyone's day at work. Yeah. It's so hard to remember yeah. like, because, you know, there are stresses that come with work and people interact with people in very different ways and at very different times of the day. And, you know, interaction have to do with like what both people bring to the table. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, okay. It's um, Before getting into, uh, we need to talk about Nate's hair. On a first watch, it seems as though Nate uh, went noticeably grey in the last few episodes, but the transformation is much slower and more subtle than that. Yeah. The first hints of grey peek out from his temples and sideburns in Rainbow, the fifth episode. Yep. By episode seven, uh, when he abuses Colin and Will, the silver streaks have crept into his bangs. Yep. By episodes 10 and 11, he's got the full Clooney, salt and pepper treatment. Yep. And in that last scene, it's all salt. It's great, uh, and then they know note, she notes that uh, same color gray hair as Rupert's and his dad's, of course. Yeah,
1: it's. Um, I, I noticed it early on. I, I wouldn't have. I, I can't say that I would have uh, necessarily been able to pick which episode, but I noticed it early on because, uh, as someone who's been professionally gray since he was fifteen, when I found my first gray hair, it is one of those things that you're just <laughs> kind of predisposed to noting, and I was like. a little bit of (laughs) grey and not realising that it was going to be a uh, nice little metaphor as
0: the series wore on. Right. And so this is where this piece also takes it. It's odd that Nate's colleagues never acknowledged the change in his appearance, but that's the point. People tend to look right past Nate a lot of the time, which is what makes him so angry. To their credit, the writers have been dropping justifications for Nate's anger throughout the season, like breadcrumbs, which is what I asked for but wasn't seeing, leading to Nate's betrayal of Ted and the team. In that outburst, Nate unleashes on Ted in the finale. He notes that Ted shone all kinds of attention on him during the previous football season, but this one after promoting Nate to assistant coach, Ted has paid him little mind. Even when Ted acknowledged him by implementing Nate's false nine strategy, from Nate's perspective, he's receiving credit only because something isn't going well. Um, Nate isn't wrong to feel this way. So this is where, because I think we were erred on the side of maybe Nate's a bit wrong to feel that way or like that he's overstating it or something, right? I totally disagree. But yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, good. yeah, right. yeah well, this that's is good. good. Okay, so, like, so that's what, yeah. yeah, so this is why this is interesting. Yeah. Nate isn't wrong to feel this way. Ted doesn't, ne- doesn't make nearly as much of Nate's of coaching skills as you would have the year prior. He hires Roy as an additional coach, blindsiding Nate and making him feel less valuable. Ted even belittles Nate. In episode five, when Nate offers to talk to Isaac, after Ted says they need one of the big dogs to do it, Ted laughs at him. Nate is emasculated again in the finale when he confesses to Roy in front of the rest of the so-called Diamond Dogs, That he kissed keely roy who already knows about it immediately forgives him and assures him he's not concerned why would he be a guy like nate could never legitimately steal keely from him that way that in theory someone like jamie might even at the funeral for rebecca's father after keely notes that nate is wearing the suit that ted bought for him nate is taken down a peg when jan says another man buying you clothes is infantilizing no each indignity is its own minor, but when piled on one top of one other, they cement Nate's insecurity about not being taken seriously.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with all of that. Like I like all that uh, world building for or, or the building of the narrative for Nate is. Extraordinary, and that's why I do think the ending is earned, and I do think that there is uh you know there is a, a level of uh like it's not like I don't understand how we got there, but I also think when you're it doesn't matter if if you' if you're a shitfuck you're a shitfuck, and that was a shitfuck thing to do, and that's like I understand it. But you know what? We've all had some pretty shit things go on and there's ways to handle it and there's ways to not handle it. And the way he handles it is, you know, he can get upset that people are referring to him as being childlike because he gets a suit made for him. But what did he do when he left? Oh, he ripped down the Believe poster. So, you know, you are a child. You're being treated the way that you deserve. Maybe you are asking to be treated this way in some
0: respects. And that's when it becomes this conversation around, like, and I I, I think this is a really hard conversation to have because I don't know any right or wrongs on this, but how much of the way you act is up to you and how much of it is that that you are the kind of, you know, the combination of the bunch of things that have already happened to you.
1: Yeah. Well, look, it's, uh, and also I need to say, I, I think the uh, the article that you've just kind of read out. I think it's right for them as well. Like, yeah. uh, like I, it's it's almost like uh, we, we're all agreeing on it. It's just in that final moment, where do you stand emotionally with the, with the outcome? And I'm on, I'm diametrically opposed. Now, also. The difference between me and Nate, apart from the fact that I'm taller, I wear glasses, I've been a professional grey a lot longer and I'm not fictional, is that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, these are all pretty major things. I've also had uh, six years of therapy. (laughs) So, you know, I'm coming at this from a very different angle where, you know, the thing that kind of therapy was at first uh, a way to try and understand why you weren't. Uh, exactly connected with the world and then eventually it becomes okay well I've worked this out and what can I do to change it about my and it's all it came down to nothing about anyone else it was all about me and that's why I said at the last one I still have hope for redemption because I'm projecting
0: but also they've already told you as a show that they're happy to tell that story yeah what like jamie did was a shit thing to do as well yeah like but there's a way back from your shit thing yeah and i think that that's like i agree with you i think that i like i i understand more i like try to see it through nate's eyes i would like to think that if i I don't have any experience of what it's like to be that so i can't even imagine but just in the story they're telling yes you'd hope you go to therapy not to West Ham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, like uh, like even um even an argument. But that's not as good a story. No. That's
0: like a, that is like that's a story for season 3. And
1: the, 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 someone wrote to me on uh, yeah. Twitter, I forget who it was. Many apologies if you're listening. And, and they were kind of pointing out Nate's um stance and you know, it was it was a, it was a nice back and forth, but also it's it's a TV show. It's theater yeah. and it's fun to be able to feel these emotions somewhere I know, that want to doesn't be disappoint-
0: like you want to be disappointed in a character you like yes it's that's part of great storytelling yes yes it i want challenging you that you're going oh this has stakes because yes. you spent a season getting me to really like this guy and now you've like made him somebody that i'm really challenged around like i'm looking for justifications yeah. for his shit actions right yeah like, and, and, which is great because it's making me look at it from his perspective, which I think is healthy. Yes, yes. And but also like I'm like, I don't want this for yeah. you.
1: And and also like, you know, sometimes I think we can break things down a little bit too much. Oh, well, okay, so Roy doesn't feel threatened by uh, by Nate and he felt threatened by Jamie and and this emasculates Nate. Oh, okay then. Well, what's better? He punches Nate in the face and breaks his jaw.
0: Oh yeah, no, I agree. Like, <laughs> like it's And maybe if Nate didn't have a lot of other stuff going on. Like it is emasculating. It's a horrible, horrible and in real life, as opposed to a TV show. Yeah. Again, you would hope that somebody would have the emotional maturity to not only say to somebody, to read the room a little and go, I understand, mate. And we're friends and this is something that we can absolutely work through. Like, you know, that's actually how you'd say it in real life. Yeah. Like, if you didn't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you had that... But it's a TV show and that character is played in absolutely one direction. I mean, there's nuance to the character, but, like, it's not suddenly like he's going to completely break out of character to say something like that. He said it how he'd say it. Yeah.
1: And also, Jamie... (laughs) <laughs> you know, Jamie Tartt, who is also a wonderful character. Jamie takes, you know, he does it in private, but Nate does it as a performance. Right. And it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Like he puts, That's it, right. he puts on a show and people aren't into it and it's fine. Yeah, I mean... So let's look at it from that angle as well. <laughs> yeah. There's heaps of angles, Come on, Nate. Sure, sure. Yeah. By the way, that actor—that <laughs> actor, actor is—I can't think of his name. That actor is so good. Like he's so good as, as Nate. He wouldn't, you wouldn't—you wouldn't be—you wouldn't be chock full of the emotions and and discussing it if he wasn't so
0: brilliant. Like I think oh, I think that speech I mean, to that,
1: Ted is fucking
0: awesome. No, he's brutal. Yeah, it's a, like I mean, for someone it's, that just like—it's hard to watch. You know. Was so adorable. Like, and I mean that, like, you know, played that character absolutely how it was meant to be played. And, like, just charmed the shit out of it, It, you know, in a big, charming show anyway. Yeah. Like, was just such a charming story. But plays this, like, the spitting in the mirror stuff and some of the really dark shit, like, has been chilling yeah (laughs) like really like i'm like yeah for for a show
1: about being nice like there's a lot of weird shit going on real hurt yeah like (laughs) this is real shit you know and you know (laughs) and i uh, you know also for people who you know who might be more on nate's side uh like i fully acknowledge that i'm bringing my personal life experience uh as a prism to how i view this show and it's like nate to me just looks like stacks of young comedians I've known in who started off like so lovely and then got a level of fame, not even famous, but just a level of fame
0: and turned into
1: Nate. Yeah,
0: no, they, to be fair, you're projecting a little onto Nate. It's all the Nates that you've had to deal with. For the last Absolutely. Years that have really armed you to I've eaten not away be at on me. Nate's side. Yeah. Fuck Nate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hashtag. Y- Take a guess and add a comedian's name. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's um. But also, I think this speaks to how uh, the show does have. You like very, it's very easy to just kind of uh, dismiss it as being this nice show. Uh, it's it, it's got a lot of depth. It's it's a really clever show. It. Uh, I love that this second season they just. They could have done the first season with some minor changes, and they didn't. They kind of changed up uh, how they did it, and uh, I thought that took uh, real cojones, and it was great.
0: I agree. Um, okay, uh, and we're back, in case you wanted to skip <laughs> all the Ted Lasso chat, and you've been looking for a time we're not talking about Ted Lasso. Uh, what else has been going on, Justin? We went out to dinner the other night. That was pretty nice. Haven't oh, been out to dinner man. with uh, somebody for a very, very long time.
1: That's so good, right? Is that did you like with lockdown coming out of it, etc.? Were there things that you have been surprised that you may have missed? Because I felt like you were like we were having a good time, but I feel like there was a part of you that was like, "Why aren't we doing this every Saturday?"
0: <laughs> oh, so so part of it has been this, as I've mentioned before on the show, which is that I always think as somebody who in my job if I were to get sick or be like a close contact for COVID, like 60 people lose their job for a couple of weeks. Like, it's just like, so I always try to hide my, hold myself to a higher responsibility, but you know, so I've been very cautious about even when things have opened up to be able to go up to anything. And like, um, so really it was, yeah, the first time going out to, to dinner and I had, a bit of apprehension about it. Like I'd book somewhere that I knew would be very COVID safe. It's only a small restaurant. Like, you know, and they were, they were like very, like, you know, you had to make sure you had everything for the booking and the, at the restaurant. And they really, it was, it felt very, you know, COVID safe. So much so that I suddenly was like, oh God, I I had forgotten how good, like just, I mean, there was just, three of us, you, me and Amy, yeah. like, out to dinner together. And it felt like my fucking birthday. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was just so nice. Yeah. And, and what I've realised, though, so at the table behind us, I, there was an AFL footballer and um, somebody that I, that I know. And, uh, you know, we, we, we had a moment where we just had a little chat and we shook hands. Oh, and yeah. Wow. Without thinking because – I'm not even sure I'm in a shaking hands place. So I'm mm. not shaking hands at work or anything mm. like that. I'm still keeping social distance masks up, everything like that. So like I haven't shaken hands with like Todd or you know, like whatever at Gruen. Like, you know, I'm I'm being really cautious. So but it was just so instinctive because you're in a social situation and you know, you kind of you feel like you're in this safe space that like I was like, oh my god, when was the last time I shook someone's hand? Right. Like it was I mean, it was a good handshake anyway. He's quite a, you know, strong, powerful, you know, professional athlete, you know, with good manners. So he's got like a look you in the eye, shake your hand firmly. Like if you're going to have one back, yeah. it was like, I was like a dude who hadn't done drugs for like five years and then got a really good bag of mushrooms and was just having the best time of all time and was just like, Let's do this every day. And I was a bit like that with, like, dining out. I was just like, why don't we come back again tomorrow? It was so good.
1: I can see the headlines now. <laughs> you know, Gruen Host caught sharing handy with stranger in alley.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, not stranger, with prominent a AFL prominent athlete. athlete yes. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> just hanging out in an alley, just shaking hands <laughs> where it's yeah. safe, free from people looking down on you.
0: It's like mate, that is. I mean, because again, I wouldn't want to be shaking anyone's hand. No, I'm just saying that now that I have like a a COVID bubble, <laughs> yeah, shake, like we've already shook. Yeah, you guys are fine. <laughs> so keep it in the bubble.
1: Just just, how, just make that's sure that's he's not slutting about shaking other men's hands.
0: That's <laughs> how I pitch it to him. I'm like, mate, I've got no idea. Yeah. I just really enjoyed shaking your hand, and yeah. I haven't shaken anyone's hand for a while. It's, like, it's not weird, mate. Just between it's just you mates and at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy you dinner. Buy you All dinner. you need to do sh- at the end. Shake my hand. Shake my hand before and after. Yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> All seems each fine. Each course. <laughs> yeah, each course. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go and do a degustation. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, it was heaps of fun to be out, and uh, I had forgotten the joy of uh, Amy trying to set me up with random waitresses.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely! <laughs> it was so entertaining. <laughs> Amy's criteria: she's like she's really nice. Yeah, like firstly, she was wearing a mask. Yeah, so... no idea. No, I actually I do have an idea. I've been to that restaurant before. Right. She is an incredibly attractive woman, right. but. Uh, um just super fun, super cute. Like, you know, um great uh waitress, you know, like or waiter or wait person or server. I, that's what they say in America server. I yeah. don't think we ever say that in Australia. That's fucking gross, I reckon. Yeah. Server. It's close to like servant. At all. Yeah, too close, yeah. way too close <laughs> yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Here,
1: servant, I'll have some more zucchini flowers.
0: I said server. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. No good. Yeah. But um yeah, the restaurant staff there. Like, there's it's only a small restaurant, so there's only two people working the floor, and she is um, really fantastic. And so Amy decided she should be your wife, the
1: future ex uh, Mrs. Hamilton.
0: Yeah.
1: Or you know, she can just have her last name. I don't mind. Actually, we don't need. We actually don't even have to get married.
0: It's fine. <laughs> we just go to the restaurant and like. I'm
1: I'm happy if like she brings food and I pay there. her <laughs> exactly. You know that worked
0: fine. Yeah. That actually seemed really good. Yep,
1: I'll watch you shake another AFL man's hands.
0: No, the same one. Oh, but no, yeah, no, <laughs> no,
1: I mean, right, that's right, the same <laughs> now one. Now I'm
0: now I'm buying him and his wife, his partner, and her sister. I think, which was who was at the table. Yeah, I have to. Buy, that's the arrangement that he's come to. Yep. He goes, "I'll shake your hand between every course." Yeah, but no. you've got to buy me, my partner, and her sister. Yeah dinner every time you want to go out and, and do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Seems fair. <laughs> I'm like it's a, it's a good price. What are you doing tomorrow at lunch?
1: Let's just book it in now. My diary's open. and I've got the next yeah. three Thursdays free. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I'm just going home to sanitize and then I'll be right. Yeah. There. <laughs> that is a good thing. It'll smell nice. Yeah. Sanitize and moisturize. Yeah. Not too much though, because he's a manly handshaker. Yeah. No, it was great. I Because I really haven't like I am yeah I'm I forgot <laughs> even like walking down the street afterwards yeah there was there was all these young people out like being young yeah and it looked horrible like I mean oh god like couldn't have think of anything that I would like to do less in my entire life I did not even like to be around it but I loved it yeah I loved that they were having a great time. Yes. I love that they were out just making dicks of themselves and having fun and like screaming at each other and spilling in and out of places yeah. and like having random pashes and like like thinking they're heaps funnier than they actually are and being much more loud than they need to be. Oh, like y- you know horrible. To, like I couldn't couldn't think of anything worse than being around it myself. Yeah. Like fled home at a rapid pace, was gonna jog if I couldn't get an Uber. Right. But, like but to see people doing it. Like filled me with joy. You
1: know what I didn't realize that I'd missed was the guy who's standing up, who's talking to the girlfriend, who's sitting on like a small kind of raised bench. And he's saying, look, just help me understand what I did wrong. <laughs> I saw two of them <laughs> after I left you and uh, it felt good. It felt felt good to be back. <laughs> Nature's healing. <laughs> just explain to me. <laughs> I'm trying to you understand.
0: No, And you wouldn't understand no. that if she did. I reckon she's already told you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> in a million different little ways that you haven't noticed. You're a classic Will Anderson watching Ted Lasso. You oh, are? Mate. What? That's a weird reference to a podcast that isn't out yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big fans. They and know when it's going to drop. certainly isn't in the demo of anyone who listens to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Don't think there would have been a big crossover of us. Of anybody who was on the strip that night, passing off with each other, turning around and going, "Oh man, I love fofo." Yeah, <laughs> I'd like, I'd be wrapped. I'd, I mean, don't get me
1: wrong. Maybe they should give it a go. What would what would, what do we have to do to appeal to the youth? Oh what? I'm probably be on TikTok or something. I knew it was going to be TikTok. What do we do on TikTok? What's our thing? Do we?
0: I don't even really know what TikTok is. I will. What's your understanding of what TikTok is?
1: <laughs> the, the passing of time that seems to be happening rapidly <laughs> as, what I, as a metaphor what I hear in my
0: brain constantly. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. I waste my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, from uh, morning till night. Uh, no, so uh, so I've looked at TikTok before, and it's you know, it's one of those things where you just make a choice to not be into things at a certain point, and you just go. Get it? Can see why it appeals. I don't need to be a part of this. But I did think that if I was to put anything on TikTok, I would just film me sitting on a lounge, not moving, for roughly 60 minutes. Cut them into 10-second bits, and people would get excited the seven times they saw me blink.
0: You know what? I reckon actually people would. That's what I'm <laughs> going to
1: say. Like, Let's I do feel it. Like that is
0: good <laughs> TikTok content. Let's do it. This is our
1: chance. Get fofo back in with the kids
0: i don't know like that seems like it could be a meme like if it was picked up by the right person if somebody else if they turned it into a challenge and then everybody suddenly was doing the like how many times you blink while you sit on the couch down like yeah that'll get us some tiktok hate yeah and it's pretty easy to do right (laughs)
1: like i don't mean to brag i'm very good at blinking (laughs) i'm the blinky bill of blinkers I mean, would people want to see a lot of blinking or not very much blinking nah, or just like- I reckon, so this is my plan. I reckon uh, I reckon there's like seven blinks all up and the first four are spaced quite a bit apart. Then five and six are back to back. Like it's almost like a flinch. It's almost like I just break break the rhythm a bit and then it's ages until the final one. Are they
0: all the same pace? The blinks- like, is there a consistent blink pattern or, like, is one of them more like, more like a... No, nah, like... W- like, shut your eyes and open them.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know what? Like, I don't like to plan that stuff. I just like to feel it when it's kind of in the moment. But the flinch will... I reckon the, the double blink flinch, which will cause a stir because people won't be able to agree on, <laughs> was it a double blink or was it a flinch or was it just a
0: glitch? <laughs> That's good, actually, because that we need some, like, heat online, yeah. people arguing over what it is. It can be like... Um, You know, when you heard Yarni or whatever else it was. Yeah, Um, Savlaki. Savlaki or (laughs) Savlaki, I believe, was what it was. Um, Or the dress, whatever the colour of the dress was. People can argue over whether it was a double blink or a flinch.
1: Yeah, blink, flinch or glitch. That's what it'll be. We'll put up a poll.
0: Right, except then people will just come to this podcast and we will have talked about it and they'll know that it's a double blink. But that gets the traffic.
1: Right. Well, then imagine the person who finds that out because they've had to sit through every episode of Faux to discover this moment.
0: And I mean, only one person has to do that. Then they'll just share where it is and everybody else yeah, just like, go straight to but it. But
1: then he's going to... I just know he or she is going to have listened to these earlier episodes, go and watch Ted Lasso, have some Ted Lasso thoughts, pass on Ted Lasso to the youth. Like, this is foolproof. I, this is... I can't believe... This is the moment. And they're discovering it right now. Okay. Well, that's
0: good. So, TikTok. So, well, okay. So, what we have to do I is mean, that. Film, <laughs> film you blinking seven times. Put it on TikTok. <laughs> Over the course of an hour. It become a, uh, like, a meme or something. Like a yeah, thing. The TikTok, TikTok, TikTok blink, blink guy. Blink guy. And then everybody starts doing it. And you're on, like, Jimmy Fallon and stuff. And, like, yeah. Ellen's doing it, like, for her yeah. show. And, like... Yeah. Blink talk. All right. Okay. That's it. That's it. Yep. I mean... From the little I know about TikTok, that feels like it'll work. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and what'll be great is when when, when we're doing the, the rounds and the stories, uh, you know, coming up with new elaborate reasons as to why it happened. And then at some point, I reckon we've got to have a falling out over who came up with the concept. And, uh, and then we do a reunion tour.
0: Yeah, I start but- complaining. I was like, you know what, like it worked but my original idea was that we would also have the ticking of a clock in the background cuz it's like tiktok and he thought that was yeah. too on the nose and i'm like yeah. no nah, man this is what's actually going to sell it anyway creative differences it was him yeah. who, it was him who had to do the blinking and he thought that yeah. the clock would be distracting. I said we could put it in post. He goes, "Well, I want it to be legitimate." And like I don't want yeah. people to argue over whether it was all CGI, then they won't believe I was actually blinking either. And I'm like, "Okay, cool man. It's like your idea, it's your thing." Like I, I know know yeah. came up with it together, but you know what? Okay, whatever, whatever. I didn't want to make a big deal about it anyway. Yeah. Like anyway, I don't talk, I don't talk to him anymore. It's all <laughs> I'm done suing him.
1: Yeah. And then you spin off with Charlie with a thing called smirk, yep. where you film him for an hour where he smirks seven times. But the problem is in the first minute something gets in Charlie's eye and he 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 can't stop blinking, so it's already ruined.
0: He blinks constantly. That's why we
1: have to get back together. Yeah, he's
0: It's like this guy's no good. <laughs> Mate, this is a strobe light. Like what the blinking fuck is happening? And Bill. That's it, that's a new act. <laughs> <Blinky> and Bill. <laughs> all right I'll start filming tonight there's no good bills so though I don't think my granddad was a bill and he was a good bill but we were thinking about oh, yeah. this the other day Billy's are okay Billy Connolly yeah um Billy's a good Billy Crystal's fine Yeah. Billy bill- Billy Elliot good musical Billy don't be a Billy, hero don't, don't be a fool with yeah, your life but, you know I felt like Billy was anyway but good uh, what about the bill yeah I, 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 what you' calling myself the bill you mean with what else yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good Billy Bill. Eilish, what about Bill fine, Irwin?
0: Uh, bill, who's Bill Irwin? Uh, bill Irwin is uh, an actor, isn't he? I don't know. Sounds like, like a Steve, like a crocodile hunter relative to me. Bill.
1: Uh, oh, I, uh, Bill Irwin. I, I knew, I knew. He's uh, one of the voices of uh, the robots in Interstellar.
0: Oh, boy. that's a good
1: deal. <laughs> That is a good we've, bill.
0: Everything comes back. we had to go deep to find a good bill if that is our best bill that we can find.
1: He, he was also in, uh, what was the Legion? He was in Legion. He was very good in that.
0: Again, though, it, this is not a prominent bill. I'm, I'm like Bill Clinton, okay. bad. Bill what about Cosby, bad. Like, tell me who bill, the good Bill bills Pullman. Are. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman was good.
1: Yeah.
0: Is he alive still, though? Oh, yeah. Bill Pullman's still alive and Bill Paxton was good. Yeah, okay. You know what? That's a good double bill. I will say that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good... T- <laughs> Mr. Percival, that's a great bill.
1: <laughs> 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 uh, Sunday.
0: I oh, know. I should go. I should uh, go and fucking be a
1: human. Be a human. It seems... Um, overrated to be honest Ramona's
0: birthday today so oh yes 10 years years old old. looking good too yeah she's doing okay so we've got her some steak uh to have for dinner for her birthday and um how does she have it well here's the thing she's had some of it raw like this afternoon so it's like I feel it it's fucking nice expensive steak right but it's her birthday Right? yeah she's 10 years old you know got to do something special But, no, Amy will cook some of it. She'll, like, cook the outside of it and, like, leave the inside because it just tastes better for them. So, they love it. So, the dogs will eat that. But the butcher gave her, like, three times as much as she asked for. Like, I just think there was a miscommunication or whatever because, like, so now Amy's probably going to eat steak twice tomorrow as well. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Far out. That's funny. Uh,
1: Does do she have a little sauce with it or? Uh,
0: she has a veggies little bit of bread. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Far out. That's a. Steak and veggies. Meat and three yeah. veg. Yep. Yeah. She's got like potato and sweet potato and carrot and zucchini. Jesus. So, yeah, it's a pretty good. Uh, like, I mean, you could eat it. Like, it. You know. Yeah. I think I do yeah. eat it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think I cooked
1: that the other day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, well, I better go and do that. Justin Hamilton, your uh, uh, podcast is called The Big Squid Games uh, based on the television series, hit Netflix That's exactly
1: series. what it's about. Yep. yep. I haven't seen the series, but I thought, fuck it. I'll just start a podcast. Speculate. And speculate. And you know what? You would be surprised, but most of our listeners are angry, really angry. <laughs> Turns out we are way off. <laughs> um, so uh, Big Squid Podcast, uh, we're going three times a week for the next six weeks. So Monday nights, uh, Rove and I are going to cover the latest Doctor Who episode. Tuesday is, you know, all sorts of different guests talking about the things that they love in TV, movies, arts, etc. And Thursdays, uh, uh, Ben Elwood and I are doing our sci-fi podcast series. You won't be into it, Will. It's out in space called Space Podicy. Uh The first two are up, 2001, The Space Odyssey and Under the Skin and, uh, uh, we're doing Wally this week, so big stuff there.
0: See, I didn't even really like Wally, to be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: disappointed me because I thought like a good comedy festival show name would be Will Willie, <laughs> but yeah, right. I just I did not like the movie enough to go for the pun. Yeah, yeah. and I thought the show Jagged Little Will. So. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a, it's a real dislike of a film uh, Here's what I want to plug I need to plug our other podcast So I do Tofot with Charlie And uh, we are on a hiatus from our football podcast But uh, there are regular episodes of philosophy coming out at the moment In fact, often two per week Because I'm trying to clean the slate of uh, banked episodes I had before Christmas So that I can like start the new year and do the show I at, at its best, I love doing philosophy where it's a bit more connected to the time that it comes out. Like this year, because of a range of things, including just me b- being busy with some other things, like they've come out in random orders. So sometimes you, people are talking about the first lockdown when we're in the second lockdown, you know, that sort of right, stuff. Right. And so it's yep. been a bit weird, but um, it just has been what it has had to be. And I've just been grateful that the show's even come out. But it turns out, um, we got way out of balance and we have a bunch of blokes banked and I like to keep it pretty regular, like, you know, male and female. Um, or, you know, non binary or, or whatever, but like, um, I like to mix it up is my point. And so it's not all one thing. So I had a whole bunch of like, you know, kind of like I wanted to do some so I've got a bunch of new episodes with a whole bunch of women is basically what I'm saying. And I'm gonna right. and I'm gonna slot those in with these older like bloke episodes that I have up until Christmas. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just think you missed a golden opportunity on the final day when you could have just done all blokes for one month and called it bloke-tober. I mean... And gotten some Triple M sponsorship. I could have.
0: And they're all, when I say blokes, I mean, come on. (laughs) They're on philosophy. Not many blokey yeah. blokes. on philosophy, yeah. but more like blokes. Yeah, a few blokes, exactly. But yeah. anyway, there's going to be a. What that means is, if you're a philosophy listener, there's going to be heaps of episodes coming up to Christmas. So, yeah. uh, stay tuned to the feed. Hashtag bloke and, bloke, I am your father. Uh, thank you, Justin Hamilton. Um, I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.